you're here tonight, and we're going to be opening our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 4. I was talking with someone before the service and telling them that I really wanted to bring a message on uh, the United States and her future. I think there's a lot about it in the in the Bible. And um, but the Lord led me in a different direction, and I think it's the subject is much more profound than what's happening in the world and what's going to be happening soon. But let's read in Deuteronomy chapter four, and we're not reading; we're reading portions of this chapter. So just bear bear with me. Let's start off by reading verses 1 and 2. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you for to do them, that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it that ye may keep your commandments of the Lord, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. And now we'll read at verse 7. For what nation is there so great, who hath God so high unto them, so, excuse me, so nigh unto them, as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen and lest they depart from thine heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. And now in verse 20, but the Lord hath taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people of inheritance as you are this day. And let's stop there and, and look to the Lord in prayer again. Our Father, we pray now that you'll just... Uh, Allow your Holy Spirit to be upon these words that our hearts are pondering this evening. And may your blessed Holy Spirit uh, speak to our hearts. And Lord, we thank you so much for the eternal words of God and the treasure that we have when we can open this book and meditate upon its precepts and commune with you. And we just pray tonight that you'll encourage our hearts in your word. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to read verse 20 again because uh, the title of this message is Egypt, the Iron Furnace. And, it's, and we read in verse 20, But the Lord hath taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to to be unto him a people of inheritance as ye are this day. In 
I'm not going to ask you to turn to all of these passages because there's quite a few of them, but most of them would probably be familiar to you. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, speaking of Israel, the Bible tells us that all these things happened unto them for in samples. The word in samples mean patterns or, or models, and they are written for our admonition, for your admonition and mine. Upon, and, and the word admonition means they're written for our warning. God is warning you and me when we read these, these things. Uh, they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. And then in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, a familiar verse, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of scriptures might have hope. So I, I was particularly drawn to this phrase about the iron furnace out of Egypt. The Lord hath taken you and brought you forth out of an, the iron furnace, even out of Egypt. The word iron, it means, it means something that's unyielding. It, it's unyielding. The, it's, it's, it's hard. The hardness in, it means strength. And, and so in this case, referring to Egypt, iron speaks of the unyielding hardness of the self-will of the God of this world and of the lost of this world. And, and that's what iron is speaking of here. And Egypt, of course, is a type of this world. Uh, and so we can begin to layer these passages together, and, and I believe the Lord has a message for us out of them. For example... In Isaiah chapter 31 and verse 1, another familiar verse, God says, Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help, but they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. That word woe, W-O-E, it's, it's an expression of grief. So God is telling us that there's going to be grief it's only going to result in grief to those who go down to Egypt for help. This world, we look into this world for help. And, and not to the Holy One of Israel. And in Isaiah 57 and verse 15, God says this, For thus saith the High and Holy One that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him, with him who? With him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the spirit of the contrite one. That word contrite uh, I dwell with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. It means broken. Contrite means broken. It means bruised. It means crushed. And God, God dwells. 
God who, who inhabits eternity. He dwells with those who have a, a broken and a crushed and a, and a contrite and a bruised heart over their sin. And very, very few people in this world today have that. In fact, they have the pride of Satan himself. So Egypt is a type of this world under the curse. It's, it's, the, it's called the iron furnace. The iron furnace. Because in this world, there's an unyielding, unrepentant self-will of the God of this world and of the people of this world. And not only that, the fallen angels that are under Satan's, Satan's rule, the lost of this world who are, who, are, who are blind because they refuse to believe this glorious, glorious gospel of our Savior. So woe and grief is to all who trust in the shadow of Egypt. Egypt is not the place to put our trust. This world is not the place for the believer to put our trust. There is no confidence in this present evil world and what this world has to offer. This world has nothing to offer anyone but sorrow and misery. And we found that out by reading about the prodigal son. That when he left his father, he got his inheritance, he left his father, and he took his journey into a far country. And he went out into the Egypt of this world. And when he had spent all, when he had spent all, the Bible says no man would give unto him. No man would give unto him. Egypt can take you so far down as it did this young man that he wanted to actually he was meditating about eating the husks that the swine were eating. He was feeding the swine. But fortunately, by the grace of God, he, he came to himself. The Bible says when he thought about all his, his father's hired servants, and here he was ready to eat what the swine were eating. He was so destitute. He came to himself. And... The question for, for each of us here is, have we, have you yet come to yourself? Have you yet come to yourself to see the emptiness of this world and, and the pursuits of this world are, are not what life is all about? This world cannot satisfy it. Now, obviously, we need homes to live in and clothes to wear and a car to get us to where we're going. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the world and what it has to offer. It's nothing but husks, just husks that 
swiney. It's no better than that in the end, in the final analysis. And the belly, the Bible says he would fain have filled his belly. The belly is a symbol of the seat of the will, the will, what you want, what do you want to do. And we need to, we need to be very careful about that. Because we, we should not want anything that God does not want us want for us. And the, the shadow of Egypt, the iron furnace of Egypt, there's only it can only get, bring confusion and and sorrow. That's all it can bring to you. So Isaiah 32, we re- read that. Woe to them that walk to go down to Egypt and have not asked of my mouth to trust in the shadow of Egypt. And you know, this message is a message to me as much as it is to anyone here. This world is like a magnet. It, it's trying to conform us to its image. It's trying to conform us to its desires. And, and, and the, Isaiah the prophet said, Woe to them that walk to go down to Egypt and have not asked of my mouth to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. Everyone who looks to this world and it, and it just seems like, uh, you know, there's, there's very little on television that's worth even looking at, to be honest with you. You can sit for hours and hours and just waste time. And it's got, it's got something for everybody. The this, this, this sports idolatry is just amazing. This, the, the Super Bowl and the, and the Daytona 500 and, and just... This world, this world has, is, is ringing your bell. It's got something for you personally. And you better be careful with it. You better be careful. Because God says, Woe to, you, to, 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 to them that walk to go down to Egypt and have not asked of my mouth and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. So everyone who looks, and as often as you look and I look to this world for a shadow, ultimately, ultimately what really awaits you is, is shame and confusion. That's what God says. That's what God says. Turn for a moment in the New Testament to Luke chapter 12. Familiar passage, Luke chapter 12. And verse 16. And he, the Lord Jesus, spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth 
plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no more room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Think about that. This rich man had accumulated so much that he didn't have room to put everything. And, you know, I've, I've had the privilege to see a lot of this world in my lifetime. And I've lived on three different continents. I've visited probably 15 or 20 countries. I've probably lived in six or seven of them. And it's been very interesting to see different cultures. And, but the United States is, is, is just the wealth that's here. I mean, it's not hard to understand. Everybody in the world is trying to get here because of the wealth and because there's a little bit of law still being maintained here. And so again, in, in, we read that woe, grief, there's only grief to those who go down to Egypt for their help. That, but not only that, that they don't look to the Holy One of Israel. They don't look to the Holy One of Israel. Neither do they seek the Lord. And so the Egypt of this world will ever be the place of spiritual bondage. And you don't always have to go out into the far country like the prodigal did. You don't have to go very far. You can be attending church services. You, you can be right here in the church service. And, and, and while in your mind and in your heart, you're in the far country because you're thinking of all these things that this world has got you all, you know, wrapped up in and where I'm going to go tomorrow and who I'm going to go with and what I'm going to, what I'm going to do. You can be in a Christian school, a church, a Christian ministry. You can be in these places and, and be in the far country. Because the far country is your mind and your heart, where your mind and your heart is. So what is the solution? Some of us might think, yeah, some of you, some, sometimes me might think, yeah, I do get caught up into this world. And that's not pleasing to the Lord. So... 
What is the solution to this dilemma? Well, turn to, turn to Psalm chapter 10, the 10th Psalm. Psalm chapter 10, in reading in verse 17. Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare their heart and will cause thine ear to hear. The Bible says that the Lord has to pre- prepare the desire of the humble. We have to turn the television off. And we have to open our Bibles and sit down and meditate. Meditate. There's power. There's power. There's power in God's word that can transform us into what we are by our human nature, into what he wants us to be. Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear. And let's let's go back to Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 15. I think we need to read that. Read that again, Isaiah 57 and verse 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. You know, human nature, human nature does not care one iota about this. Honestly speaking, human nature cares about me. Me. Human nature doesn't care about this. But God says, Thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell. Where do you dwell, God? You do, I dwell in the high and holy place with him that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Okay. Well, how do we how do we have that contrite and humble humble spirit? We come to God. We come to God for it. Obviously, God gives it because He said that He dwells with people of a contrite and humble spirit. And he revives the spirit of the humble. And he revives the heart of the contrite ones. 
I mean, that's the purpose, one of the purposes that the Lord Jesus came into the world to die on the cross to deliver the believer from this present evil world. It says that in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4. Speaking of Christ, he says, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. This world is evil. So Christ came to deliver us from this present evil world. And the Christian really is not of this world. The the believer is really not of this world. The Lord Jesus said that in John chapter 15 and verse 19. He said, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own, but because ye are not of the world. But I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. The world hates Christians. He doesn't hate, this world does not hate religious people. But they hate the true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because they are not of this world. They are not of this world. But the battle, it seems, that we struggle with is is becoming not of this world and remaining in that condition. The Lord Jesus said in John chapter 17 and verse 6, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of this world. For thine they were, thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. And the world hates those who have his word and keep his word. As Christians, we should be crucified to this world. You know these are these are these are these are nice thoughts to hear in a sermon. They're true. They're God's words. But somehow they need to become our life. They need to become our life. The Christian is crucified unto the world. John 6:14 says, but God forbid that I should glory, save in one thing. uh, John said, God forbid that I should glory, except for one thing. Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that is something to glory in. Because it's, he says, it's, it's by whom the world is crucified to unto me and I unto the world. The cross. The cross. The cross upon which the Lord Jesus Christ gave his life 
and we have a cross. And really, these things are to me, I wanted to bring this message about um, the USA in Bible prophecy. I, I, I did one many, many years ago and it, it came out of Jeremiah and out of different Old Testament books. And I truly believe that, I mean, it says in the book of the Revelation that, that in one hour, in one hour, Babylon is destroyed. And, and, and all, who tr- who, all who trade, all the ships in, who trade by sea were stood afar off. And just could not believe it. The smoke of their torment. And all these things that are happening with China. And they're. And you know. This nation. Has. 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 Um, spread its. Its filth and sin. To the whole world. To the whole world. I mean Literally. The Bible says to, to, to love this world in any fashion. It doesn't say how much. It's just to love this world. You, you like to do, you like the things of this world. What occupies your time or my time is the things of this world. And the Bible says to, to do that is saying that you're you're the enemy of God. James 4 and 4. James 4, 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not? James said, don't you know that the friendship, the friendship of the world is enmity with God? God hates it. Because this world crucified his only begotten son. And they stood around the cross and gambled for his clothes. A piece of his clothes. They mocked him. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of this world is the enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And and God doesn't get specific. He doesn't say you have to really go out there, really get out there in the world, and then you're, no. He says friendship with the world is the enemy of God. And the Christian has to be very, very careful. We have to be very careful. We have to be careful not to imitate the evil things of this world. Children especially pick up on things like that. On a heartbeat. At the earliest ages. So we can't. Imitate the things of this world. That's why why he said in Romans chapter 2 and 12 and verse 2, be not conformed to this world, 
but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And James, James tells us pure religion. James chapter 1 and verse 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God is this. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Unspotted. There's, there's no spots on me of this world. That's, that's, that's what he's telling us. That's pure religion. But I'm afraid the reality and the truth, if we would be honest, we do, we do have some spots of this world on us. Well, again, to me, having read this and put this simple message together, when I was finished with it, I thought to myself, the truth in what we just considered was, is far more, far more profound to me than understanding Bible prophecy and what's just around the corner. Far more profound. Let's close in a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank Thee for this time together in the church. Thank You for each and every one who's here tonight. Thank You for those who are watching by sermon audio. Maybe they uh, are laid aside. And Lord, we just pray that You'll help us to be very careful about our relationship with this world. We know it's a very subtle thing that it can creep in unnoticed but we pray that we would come often to your word that we would that we would just sit down and with your word and study just similar passages like this on our own and realize that uh, this world is a is a very wicked place and we need to keep ourselves unspotted from it and we thank you for this church well, we we just thank you for the, so many who are servants your servants here and we just are so grateful for this place, Lord. And we ask your blessings and your protection upon it in the days ahead. And we ask and pray these things in our Savior's name. Amen.